Today on Multiverse News, we have big uh, casting rumors about the Fantastic Four. They've all four been chosen, according to rumors. What do we think? And then The Little Mermaid makes a big splash at the box office. And Florence Pugh is everything. All that right for this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for all the information about your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and today we have our full panel here with us today. We have Jay Scotty St. Clair. How you doing, buddy? Doing fantastic. First time doing this thing live. It's incredibly exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those listening in the future, we're live right now on Twitch. Um, and then Haley Hobbs. How you doing, Haley? I'm great. Happy Tuesday, as usual. Yeah, Tuesday. My new Tuesday thing. Uh, Jay Sisson, also with us here. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing really well. I don't really have anything else to say. I'm sorry. Jay's <laughs> on that sweet, sweet summer vacay. <laughs> yeah, my the kids are out for summer. You know, I'm a teacher, so I'm just like living day to day. I don't even know what day it is right now. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you have little to report because just you're living the easy life. Yeah. Summertime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive right into the news, you guys. Up first, with lots of hype around the Fantastic Four movie, uh, the first family is being rumored to have been cast with Adam Driver as Reed Richards, Margot Robbie as Sue Storm, Paul Mescal as Johnny Storm, and David Diggs as Ben Grimm. What's the verdict? Is this rumored casting? fantastic this might be the story that we've revisited in one form or another on the most on this show so far we've talked about adam driver as reed richards we've talked about margot robbie as sue storm absolute a-list talent i'm on board for either one of them but i feel like the real story here is paul mescal as johnny storm and david diggs and i i kind of pride myself on like if i could be known in my circles as like the a24 guy like I'd, I'd be pretty pleased with that. But A24 has just been putting out so much content that I did not have a chance to see the film that uh, Paul Mescal appeared in last year and got his Oscar nomination for, which was After Sun. But I've heard only the best things about it and particularly about his performance. So I think he looks the part. Um, it sounds like he's got the capability to bring that A-list talent. And David Diggs, like, uh, he's just awesome. Like, I, we're going to talk about... Um, the Little Mermaid coming up here shortly, but he just continues to impress me in everything I've seen him in. He's got a great voice. Uh, he popped up on this animated show called Central Park where he voices like an older white lady and it just somehow works. So um, I think for the tone that the MCU has kind of embraced, like I think he would be a great Ben Grimm and ultimately the thing. So um, all of this bodes well for me, but you got to take it with a grain of salt because we don't know if any of it's true. We'll find out soon, hopefully. Indeed. When you said he uh, he looks the part for some reason, I had the thing in my head. Uh, oh, I know you're sure. talking about Paul Mescal, but like I was like, <laughs> wait, 
That seems mean. I don't know, Jay Scotty. I don't know if that's a great thing to say about a person. No. <laughs> it really looks no. like a big rock. <laughs> Paul Mescal's definitely on the rise. I mean, he's getting cast in a lot of things. And I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way now. Uh, he is cast to lead the Ridley Scott Gladiator 2, which also stars Pedro Pascal. So just get that out of the way. Now. <laughs> Thank you for that mention, Jay. Thank you. Yep. We don't have to come back to him. We got it out of the way early. That's right. For those of you following along, take a shot. Pedro Pascal has been mentioned. (laughs) The thing that's cool about Paul Mescal, who I've never seen in anything, is that we're going with somebody who's kind of a relative unknown, if this is true at all. And when Marvel does that, they've had a lot of success. I'm thinking Chris Hemsworth. I'm thinking Tom Hiddleston. And so that's, I think, the thing about this news that is exciting to me the most. Mm. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I really like um, seeing people that are not what I expect in these roles and new people, the people that I can learn to love. Well, if, if he's the guy, we'll know his name well in just a few years. You know, he'll be the and uh, I think it was UJ on yesterday's podcast. We were talking about this on uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And you were like, well, he's going to be a known name in the next few years, regardless. Like this, this guy's on the rise. One of the only ways names get in my head is if they join the MCU. So luckily, most people do um, <laughs> eventually. Uh, all right. Up next, Disney's live-action remake of The Little Mermaid took in a very strong $95 million domestic box office opening during Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this great domestic showing was balanced, however, by the fact that it struggled overseas, especially in China. The film has faced backlash regarding casting and animation. Will the adaptation ultimately sink or swim in the long run? So I wanted to see this on Sunday, and I threw my back out doing yard work, so I didn't get to. But everything I saw online was extremely positive about the reception of the movie. People just really seemed to love it. People in the chat are saying they loved it. Um, Just people I'm friends with really enjoyed it. And I think that what it gets to the heart of the casting rumors, blah, 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 nonsense aside, is where what we do get to explore with these live action remakes. We kind of were a little hard on them in the past. Um, They do get to explore true representation. And I think that that is something that is very cool about these new Disney remakes that was maybe not the focus of our conversation in the past. But when I see an article about... um, a young child going up to Hallie Bailey, which is really hard to say, not Hallie Berry. Um, <laughs> Hallie Bailey and say, she has my skin. I think that's really cool. And so I am looking forward to seeing it. And everyone says the songs are great. The changes that they've made are great. And so I think that's awesome that it has strong reception here in the States. And hopefully it grows overseas. Yeah, I haven't heard a bad word about it. Um, I mean, I've heard people who have seen it have really liked it. Um, I think that word backlash kind of gets a little overused sometimes for the media narrative. I I haven't seen backlash, uh, you know, and and I know that that has been kind of the reporting with it. It's kind of been like, well, they're making the little mermaid, but, and then there's kind of all this other discussion about casting and, and, and whatever and animation and song changes and everything. But to me, it doesn't really seem like that has dominated the conversation of the movie. There hasn't been a lot of that. So I think sometimes that word, we, we see that word 
attached to these movies. And sometimes it's almost like trying to drum up a narrative. And are there, are there a minority of people out there who don't like it and they're loud about it on the internet? Of course. But I think sometimes those voices do kind of get pushed a little bit up to be a little bit louder than they would be just to kind of sort of take the narrative to a place where it's, it gets more clicks, it gets more attention, it gets more conversation. And I don't know, I, I just, I'm not seeing these two things match up. I'm not seeing like people coming out and being like, I hated this. I'm seeing a lot of people come out and be like, this was great. And this was my favorite live action adaptation that I've seen of, uh, of Disney's. I think that's a pretty astute assessment in terms of the backlash. I think it was kind of front loaded when we first got the casting and saw like the first imagery of Ariel, but it seems in the years and months since then like people have kind of like changed their tune and been on board for the most part i mean i was on record as just not being interested in this film i thought it looked kind of life lifeless and didn't really see the reason to do it besides the money but um i actually did catch it this weekend i was not all that interested in it but i had a friend that was very interested in it and i've got that amc a list that feels like it's a burning a hole in my pocket so i went out and (laughs) caught it and you know, I, I had fun with it. I think um, the box office performance is interesting because I think it's, um, as far as comparison goes, it's closest to Aladdin. And in terms of like ranking these um, Disney live action remakes, I'd kind of put it on par with Aladdin. It had a lot of good. I enjoyed some of the changes. Um, it stayed true enough to the original, but made some changes that it felt like it was actually worthwhile. And um, I think Again, to bring up David Diggs, I think he was an absolute standout. But yeah, hey, Halle Bailey, that is hard to say. Um, her performance <laughs> and her really like making Ariel her own and like breathing fresh life into it was really great. And they did Prince Eric justice. I can't remember that actor's name off the top of my head, but he, he did a good job and I was invested in their relationship. So, uh, you know, it took a second to get used to those uh, interpretations of the land crab and flounder. The but, land uh, crab. After, yeah. <laughs> after a few minutes, I... I adjusted and I had a good time with it. Yeah. I'm kind of annoyed that the bird can talk underwater. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like he's, you know, he needs to breathe, but uh, you know, it's a, that's a minor thing. It shouldn't affect uh, whether or not people go see it. So, I mean, that girl can sing like she's uh, she's got some pipes. I mean, I've heard mm. the songs. They're great. The bird was underwater, underwater. Like he just put his head down there. Or he was like hanging no, no, out no. with them underwater. We're talking like fully submerged. <laughs> Jay well, Scotty, back me up. Like he's underwater, right? <laughs> well, she's underwater. This this character right, is voiced right. by Aquafina, and uh, yeah, they they hang a lantern on it. The fact that yeah, this bird is spending incredibly too much time underwater, but they they do mention that she has to resurface to get some air. That that's weird. That's weird yeah. that she's underwater. Uh, uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I guess if they hang a lantern on it for a comedic effect, that's funny. But uh, yeah. I was just like, wait, did they just not mention it? That's weird if they didn't. <laughs> Next story is in an interview with Time Magazine, Florence Pugh reflected on joining the MCU for Black Widow and the resistance she was shown by her indie film community who were, quote, really pissed off um, when she joined the major franchise. Pugh wrote off these comments saying essentially that she was still working really hard on all kinds of movies, but now some of them were actually being seen. (laughs) Uh, Did Flo do a good job walking the line between her different audiences? Well, if you're asking me if Flo can do no wrong, like I (laughs) am not really that big into Hollywood crushes, but uh, from her earliest days, Florence Pugh captured my attention and my love, and I've I've loved her in everything I've seen her in. 
I talked earlier how I like to kind of be known as the A24 guy, the guy that's going to go see these art house films. And that's where um, she first kind of caught my attention, of course, with Ari Aster's Midsommar. She popped up in Fighting With My Family before that. And in terms of this interview she had with Time, I think it makes sense that, you know, this being multiverse news, we're going to kind of hone in on what she said about like appearing in blockbuster franchises like her um, appearance in the MCU. But the tone of the article at, at large was really interesting to me. It was kind of painting her as this return to like Hollywood dignity. Like uh, people have been coming out and saying like, we don't really have stars anymore. Like people go to see franchises. They don't really go to see these stars. And she's really like setting herself up to be like a star. She conducts herself in with a lot of grace and um, handles pressure very well. Like on don't worry, darling, there was all these rumors about her having like, disputes with Olivia Wilde and all the stuff going on with Harry Styles, but she was above all of it. So um, I really enjoyed this read and it was just nice to see how the interviewer, how he just like, they are, I should say they just like took such a shining to her and I'm just really excited to see what she has in store for us in the future, especially with Oppenheimer and um, Dune part two right around the corner. Couldn't be more excited for that. Mm. The thing that, uh, I find interesting about these comments is like, not only is she saying some people will be seeing my movies, but like people will know who she is and they will see more of her other films. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every sure. big franchise movie she's in is an advertisement for every indie movie she's in. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so like, as long as she's continuing to make movies that she cares about, not that she can't care about the MCU as well. Um, but these kinds of movies, like she's only, it's only a benefit um, to indie film and like, uh, like you said, art house stuff, uh, for these actors to cross over and get, yeah. you know, funnel their audience that way. Not everyone's going to follow, but some percentage will. And that percentage is often bigger than the movie saw to begin with, you know, that sure. small percentage of fans following back and going to see what her, her body of work will like in some cases be more people than saw the movie on its first run, you know? Yeah, I think the really pissed off quote is what captured my attention because I think there is a conversation around Hollywood and Hollywood's perception of big franchises like Marvel. And I think the first time you saw a lot of these comments getting traction was with Martin Scorsese talking about how he felt like Marvel and franchises were squeezing out smaller movies and making it to where movies couldn't really get seen in the theater and sort of destroying cinema, which is like a little dramatic. But I think this kind of thing that she's saying of like, well, a lot of people looked down on this move, like they thought that this was wrong, that I was moving from indie films into this big major franchise and that they felt like they had lost her somehow to this big whirlpool of Marvel uh, I thought that was interesting because I think that is a conversation that is interesting uh, is one of like, how is, or how are these big franchises perceived in Hollywood and will that affect people's willingness to take on these roles going forward? Matt, you said exactly what I was going to say. And I'll just say that Florence Pugh didn't um, capture me right at first with black widow. She's great in it, but I was not sold on her, but her conduct outside of movies has sold me on her. She has this, it's not a, I don't give a shit. It's a um, really well-versed knowledge of how to conduct herself and how to also stand up for herself when that's mm. still hard for women. And so I really admire her for those, those things. And she's doing that in this article. She's standing up for her work 
on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, it was such a great way to, like, like I said, she walked that line that she didn't insult either kind of movie. She just was like, you know, th- this is this is a different kind of work, and I still love both, and it's it's very uh very classy. Yeah. yeah, there was a part of the article where she like alluded to like watching like productions kind of break down on set, and the interviewer asked her like, "Can you be more specific?" And she's like, "Nope, moving on to the next subject." <laughs> <laughs> you go, Flo. That's great. That's great. Up next, PlayStation held their annual showcase, which revealed looks at the future of the console. A handheld attachment to the PS5 was announced, as well as a look at upcoming video games such as Street Fighter, Spider-Man 2, Assassin's Creed Mirage, and more. Sony will also be tapping into virtual reality for PS5 games soon. Should gamers be excited about these future ventures? I mean, I think if you're a fan of some of these PlayStation franchises and gaming franchises, you have to be excited. I think if you liked Metal Gear Solid, this game that was announced was a remake of an old one that is chronologically the first one. So it kind of seems like they're taking that path of trying to remake that franchise for the PlayStation 5. I think that's exciting. I think Assassin's Creed has been around for so long uh, and has continued to make games. And I think this trailer seemed to be a little bit of like a return to roots for the franchise, which people want. And the crown jewel of it all, though, is the Spider-Man 2 game. Spider-Man was yeah. super popular on PlayStation. Uh, it was story driven. It was open world. It was uh, really immersive and people loved it. And so to see the gameplay from this, it answered a ton of questions about what this game is going to be. It had the hey uh yeah peter's got the symbiote or whatever but also it's not going to be two player but it's also going to have these villains and it's going to be open world and it's going to have the like it just kind of all the questions people had about this it was all answered uh and i felt like if you liked that first one i think this second one gets you really excited i mean i i was watching it i did play the first one i really enjoyed it and I was really excited for uh, this new one. It looks like a fresh take. Uh, you've got Craven the Hunter in there. You've got the Lizard in there. You've got uh, Venom. I mean, it looks like they've kind of taken it to the next level. So I think if you're someone who likes the PlayStation and likes some of these franchises, I think you walked away happy. Spider-Man 2 is the thing I'm most excited for, too. The only thing I don't particularly like... And I don't know why. And it'll be a little different. So I played Miles Morales as well. I loved both those games. Um, and I'm really excited for the combination of those two characters. And I always think variety of p- playable characters is a really strong thing for games to have. But I always find myself annoyed by it because I get used to one thing of being able to like use one set of controls. And then they're like, now play as Miles Morales. And I'm like, I forgot his moves. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, I'm just too old. Like I can't hold two characters moves in my head so every time these uh franchises go to that where they're like I, batman arkham games are my favorite like i love sure. the batman arkham games and then this most recent one did the thing where you have four different characters oh arkham, gotham, knights. Um, gotham knights yeah yeah and you have four different characters to play as playable and i played like two levels and i got tired of swapping and i didn't pick it back up like that's terrible and those are my favorite <laughs> games so i'm a little nervous but they're close enough that i'm hoping that like that muscle memory will remain for me. This, yeah. this old man who can't context switch. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot to say this week. So um, 
we've talked a lot on this show about like the streaming wars, but we haven't talked as much about the console wars. And like, I've been an Xbox gamer for the last two decades and it became more and more difficult to sit on the sidelines as an Xbox gamer and see all these exclusives that were coming out for PlayStation. So I finally took the plunge and got a PS5 and it feels like it's perfect timing. I have not played uh, Spider-Man, but I, I bought it. I bought the Spider-Man Miles Morales that came with the remastered Spider-Man for PlayStation 5. So that's on my my backlog to play. But I do think Spider-Man 2 was definitely like the marquee presentation for this event and it was like a 10 minute gameplay video i only watched the first Mm -hmm. two minutes because i saw what i needed to i saw that you could switch back and forth between peter and miles i I saw the symbiote in action and i got a little bit of the story but i was like okay i don't want any more being spoiled for me there's a, a, a couple of characters that are mentioned in dialogue or you see their like acolytes or whatever and i was like okay that's enough to kind of like you know, I, I'm bought in. I'm, I'm definitely going to check this out. But mm. um, as far as the handheld accessory, I did want to address that because um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like the Nintendo Switch just had um, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom come out. And one of the big appeals of the Switch is the fact that it's like portable handheld gaming. And uh, Valve came out with their Steam Deck a couple of years ago. So gamers are more and more like wanting to have this accessibility and portability. So I think for PlayStation to... Um, make such a move just just makes a lot of sense is going to continue to further solidify them as kind of the like top tier when it comes to triple a gaming i did want to address assassin's creed as well because i'm a massive assassin's creed fan and jay you kind of mentioned how it looks like it's returning to form and and certainly the last three games that came out kind of got lost in the weeds in terms of becoming these giant sprawling rpgs so the return to social stealth stealth rather uh the fact that we're going to be focusing on one city um, in ancient Baghdad looks really interesting to me um the fact that this trailer sold itself as a gameplay trailer i think was a little misleading i do believe that all the footage was in game uh but it was very heavily edited and you didn't see anyone like actively playing the game and walking around so i took a little bit of umbrage with that but it looks really cool and i'll be excited to check it out and have um, another assassin's creed to play awesome uh, all right, guys. Well, that's our main stories for tonight. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about our Spotify poll for last week. Um, so we, I asked in the Spotify poll last week, do you think the Fast and the Furious franchise should continue? And I was really <laughs> curious what our listeners would say, because, you know, uh, it's, it's a 50-50 shot there, I feel like. But uh, 67% said no. That it should oh, not continue, which I honestly <laughs> surprised by because I think generally our community uh, and our hosts on here are generally pretty like, you know, it's somebody's favorite, but sixty-seven people are like, no, it should not continue. <laughs> we were kind Stop of hard it. on it last week. <laughs> yeah, we were. We were. It's true. Oh man, they don't like family. Pretty great. <laughs> of the end yeah 67 percent of stranded panda fans don't like family <laughs> oh that's so dark <laughs> so dark mm. it's not my fault they did it uh okay now we're gonna move on to our lightning round uh you guys may know how this works everybody gets uh to buzz in by saying their name to get to respond and even i'm gonna do that and everyone gets to respond and then gets one rebuttal uh, if they want to give their take in response to someone else's take. So uh, first come, first serve, and then you get one rebuttal, uh, and that's called the lightning round. A little bit shorter headlines on stories, and here we go. Uh, Star Trek Strange New World Season 2 trailer revealed a first look at their crossover with Lower Decks. 
Got to say Matt on this one. Matt, uh, I, didn't, I didn't think anyone else would jump in. We're just, we're just waiting on you. <laughs> didn't even give you guys a chance. Uh, but uh, but no, uh, lo- this is so exciting. I don't know how much you guys know about these two shows, but Lower Decks is like the Rick and Morty style cartoon version of Star Trek that's set about 150 years ahead of time from where Strange New Worlds is set. So the fact that they're bringing characters from Strange New Worlds, that's like, like I said, Rick and Morty animation style to live action, uh, I'm sorry, Lower Decks to Strange New Worlds, which is live action, um, is just so weird. And uh, one of the characters is played by Jack Quaid. He voices him and he's like a very, like, the character's named Boimler. Uh, He's just very, like, big and loud and sort of like, uh, I don't know, Type A, but uh, I just I'm really excited to see Jack Quaid make that crossover, um, uh, as well as his co-star who I'm blanking on her name, but she plays uh, Mariner. It's just really cool that they're gonna be able to bring these animated characters to life in live action. Just super rad. Up next, Marvel Studios Thunderbolts is the latest project to be halted due to the win- writer's strike. I almost said winter strike. <laughs> winter is coming. Stop making thunderbolts. It better not last through the winter. If this thing lasts through the winter, Jay, sorry. If this thing lasts through the winter, we're like in trouble. Like you might as well mm-hmm. just not even buy any movie tickets for the next two years or something. If this keeps going yeah. that much longer, uh, I mean, this is going to be kind of similar to what I said on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast about this, but like this ripple effect from the writer strike is only going to get bigger the longer it goes on. And right mm-hmm. now it seems like it's going to go on for a long time. So I think we're just going to continue to have stories like this. Like, I think you're going to hear about Deadpool three and you're going to hear about <clears throat> Captain America four, and you're going to hear about all these other productions that haven't even gotten off the ground yet. So this is really disappointing and it could shift the entire timetable of this whole thing, which is just part of having an interconnected universe. It, all sort of rides or dies together. It has to interconnect in that way. And in, uh, in some ways, especially these big tent pole kind of crossover franchises, they, a lot hinges on them. Mm. Scotty with a rebuttal. Uh, yeah. I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody as we've been talking about the writer's strike, but what I did, um, I, I felt like the lead was kind of buried with this story. As I, I read the article, what kind of stuck out to me was they also said blade, which we knew, pause before it entered pre-production but then it also mentioned the wonder man series is um on pause and i was like i didn't realize the wonder man series had really started i i believe we had a showrunner i knew we had yaya abdul mateen the second cast and i think we talked about like some potential cast uh members including uh bob odenkirk but beyond that i, I didn't realize it was that far along to begin with so we're gonna have to wait for it uh <laughs> regardless but uh it just kind of stuck out to me like oh didn't didn't know that was uh, as far as along as it was. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Up next, uh, the boys star. Speaking of him earlier, Jack Quaid is set to star in Companion, a sci-fi thriller from the team behind last year's horror hit Barbarian. Scotty, <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get a lot of details except for like this was apparently auctioned at uh, some kind of like horror film convention. And the uh, the director of Barbarian, I can't remember his name. He's not actually directing it, but he is producing it. And he basically just uh, gave the director, I, I don't have his name available either, but it's going to be his directorial debut. And he basically just 
set him up for um, this opportunity. I really liked Barbarian. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was unexpected and uh, really satisfied um, itch for me in terms of like uh, just kind of balls to the wall horror. So if it's anything like that in tone, I think Jack Wade is great talent as we've discussed here already. Um, and the fact that it's sci-fi horror, like I'm, I'm interested. So sign me up. Love it. Um, the newest Barbie trailer shows Barbie will face some trials and tribulation when she travels to the real world with Ken tagging along. Haley. <laughs> okay. So the second Barbie teaser totally drew me in. And now we see Barbie's having problems. The perfect quote unquote, perfect woman's having issues it looks so much fun i can't wait to see this movie uh matt for rebuttal i this trailer made me want to see this movie uh and like i'd seen i'd seen a little bit of the previous content they released and you know uh the whole perfect world thing like it's it only goes so far but her like having problems and like the scene where she has flat feet instead of Uh, even just so the scene good. where she steps out of her high heels and her feet remain in that position uh, was perfect. And then for her to be upset about her flat feet, it was it was really good. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even realize uh, Will Ferrell was in this. Um, and that really yeah. like gives me an idea of what the tone is a little more. And he's like freaking out in, in his in his very kind of like I don't know Will Ferrelly way. I just thought it looks yeah. great. <laughs> looks great. Get that Barbie. I got a rebuttal on this too, because this, this trailer was so like, I can't remember a time where I've seen marketing take these like big risks for a movie. Like it literally says in the trailer, if you love Barbie, you'll love this movie. If you hate Barbie, you'll love this movie. Like that's in the trailer. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's like, that's a risk to say things like that. You know, like when you're marketing a movie, this movie did not play it safe. Like I saw in the first teaser, I was like, this seems really interesting. And uh, it's kind of a utopia or whatever. Where Barbie, And then in the second trailer, they're, Oh, would you want to go check out the real world? Do you want to know the secret of the universe? Do you want, I'm like, wait a minute. Like <laughs> this movie is not only extremely self-aware, super well acted, but like, it's gonna play with concepts like when Margot Robbie's sitting there and they're dancing and everything's going crazy and it's a party and she goes, "Y'all ever think about death?" And like everything stops and all of the people are just like, "Look!" I was like, "I'm in!" Like I was yeah. like, "I'm in on this movie." Now I have a question for everybody though. Okay, that weekend, Barbie's not the only movie coming out. Oppenheimer hits theaters that weekend too. So, yep. which one are you seeing first? Sounds like the perfect double feature to me. I mean, you think about it. <laughs> back to back, back to back. <laughs> yeah, back to back, baby. See, three months ago, you would have been like Oppenheimer, like Oppenheimer, of course. But now that you've seen this trailer, you're like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I might have to. I might have to. If read Oppenheimer some brings first. you down, you go see Barbie. <laughs> yeah. If Barbie is too much, you go see Oppenheimer. <laughs> this is cinema right here. Like. You get to go see a movie about Barbie, and then you get to go see a movie about like the development of the atomic bomb. It's like three and a half hours <laughs> God, long. It's, like, awful. it's cinema. It's amazing. <laughs> it's cinema. It's so good. Um, favorite line of the trailer, by the way, was that like you you started to bring it up, Jay, when she says like, "Do you want to know? Do you want to 
she shows her the high heel and says, do you want to return to your perfect world? And then she shows her a Birkenstock and says, or do you want to see <laughs> so what's good. in the... It's, it's the red pill, blue pill scene. Like, it's so good. And then she she pick, grabs after the heel and she's like, no, no, you have to we, you have to be curious about this. What are you doing? Do that again. And it's Kate McKinnon, like, as her, like, spiritual guide or whatever. It's so good. Um, oh, I am currently wearing Birkenstocks. Birkenstock all the way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Up next, uh, Lionsgate confirmed that John Wick 5 is an early development. Uh, This comes off the heels of an announcement of spinoffs, Ballerina and the Continental. Scotty. Shocker. Not. (laughs) Even with, you know, trying to like tiptoe around spoilers here, the way uh, John Wick Chapter 4 seemingly ended with some finality and um, definitely seem to like, you know, close the book in terms of like the story we've been presented with so far. I don't think anybody is really surprised that uh, this is in the works. And I think it's really going to ultimately come down to like in the article, it said like Chad Stahelski and, and Keanu Reeves, like if they're open to it and they want to take a couple years off, but if they have an idea, um, they've definitely, I feel like they've left the door open where uh, John Wick will make his inevitable return or mm. return to the world in some fashion or another. Mm. I'm, I don't have, I'm not allowed to say a rebuttal, but I'm going to say that I am shocked. I disagree. I'm totally shocked by this news. Interesting. Yeah. I did not expect a John wick five coming after the way that one ended. Uh, up next Netflix released the first trailer for an upcoming anime series called Kong skull Island set to release on June 22nd. Scotty. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing my due diligence if I didn't address the animation, would I? That's right. Uh, you know, I, I really like 2017's Kong Skull Island. Um, I think it was a highlight of this new um, Godzilla and Kong monsters franchise we've gotten from Universal. Um, I thought this trailer, you know, it was it was like 44 seconds in terms of like what we got like outside of the Netflix logo. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought it looked interesting. I think the style of animation is one that we've become very familiar with. Um, the studio um, is the same one that did Castlevania. So that's become like kind of a, a hallmark in terms of quality animation. But what kind of drew me in is how action oriented it seems to be. And just in the little snippets we saw, like it seems like it's really doing some interesting things with uh, camera placement and perspective in terms of the um, animation. So um, I'm already a Skull Island fan and, just what I saw so far made me that much more interested. So looking forward to it in June. Awesome. Although Deadpool three has officially started filming reports say that Ryan Reynolds is unable to ad lib on set due to the ongoing writer strike. Matt J. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I got it first. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is, uh, seems crazy. Uh, in in multiple ways, we talked about a little bit on MCU cast last night, but it seems uh, it seems wild that you can't ad lib. Seems like two different things, but I understand the slippery slope of it all. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't imagine this movie's going to have the same life if you don't have that same um, you know uh, visceral, spontaneous style. So uh, we'll see how this works out. Haley rebuttal. It seems like they started production on this movie just to just to stop it like you know it's probably gonna mm. end soon because of the strike <laughs> i don't know yeah it may, yeah. maybe there's just a bunch of stuff they need to do that's not 
as story driven. Yeah. Maybe there's a lot of effect scenes or like shooting against green screens and like just effect shots that they need to do with Ryan Reynolds. And maybe he doesn't need to ad lib those things. But you know, on these sh- movies, there's so many effects, so much effects work. There's probably like a month of filming they could do that doesn't even involve talking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, Martin Scorsese met Pope Francis and then announced that he will be making a film about Jesus due to the meeting. <laughs> Jay, uh, are we going to get Leonardo DiCaprio as Jesus? That's the only question oh. I have. <laughs> oh, cringe. <laughs> this movie's going to be like four and a half hours long. I just, I don't, we don't even know anything about it, but it's going to be so long. And so, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't have any other thoughts other than that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to break protocol here and just uh, ad, ad, ad-lib myself here a little bit, but uh, I kind of feel like we talked about uh, Killers of the Flower Moon last week and how dark that sounds. It kind of feels like Martin Scorsese went to confession and was just like, okay, after doing that, I'll do one about Jesus for you now, Pope. Just like, don't exclude <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Uh, Marvel show Runaways was abruptly removed from Hulu last week, a victim of the Hulu Disney Plus merge purge. Merge purge. Merge purge TM. <laughs> merge purge is fantastic. We're going to use that only from now on. <laughs> I feel like it's a, it's a term we're going to need, and I'm glad to coin it today. <laughs> uh, I'll talk, I guess, about Haley. Um, I did not watch Runaways, but... I did watch Cloak and Dagger, and so this news made me immediately go, oh no, I hope they don't take Cloak and Dagger away, because that show is mm. actually very good, but I'm sure that it's uh, pending its doom as we speak. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Oh yeah, no. If you are interested in Cloak and Dagger, get it in now. <laughs> Just Yeah, yeah it's, I, it's it very now. good. I, I wouldn't <laughs> suggest everybody watch it. I totally agree. Uh, Haley, you were going to throw some uh, feedback. Since we're doing this live, which we've never done before, we thought we'd throw a few live comments uh, our way. What you got, Haley? So regarding the fantastic forecasting rumors, Court OB, our lovely friend in Australia, said that David Diggs is also Jewish, which is hugely tied to that character, which would be Ben Grimm, which pleases me. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even realize. Good piece of information. Yeah, definitely. And then regarding the much-discussed underwater bird from The Little Mermaid, (laughs) Captain McD90, our friend Sarah Day, said, So, Scuttle in the live action is a gannet, a breed of seabird that can be underwater for a few minutes. They made the change so that Scuttle could talk to her under the water, her being Ariel. (laughs) All right. All right, National Geographic. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for the uh, live reactions. Um, and we're going to be trying to do these live. Um, I guess for now, we'll tentatively be planning to do them at 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central uh, on Tuesday nights on twitch.tv slash TV. So if you're out there and you're listening and you want to be able to get in on the conversations, we'll probably work on how to integrate the chat even more in the future. Um, so, uh, yeah, come on, hang out. We'll be back soon. Uh, with multiverse news, uh, let's go around the around the room and talk about where you guys can be found online. Jay Scotty, yeah, check out Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. And join us as we get ready for all things across the Spider Verse. Just uh, a couple days away at this point, and I am super stoked to talk about it very soon. Awesome, Jay Sisson. 
Uh, you can find me at Commute the Podcast, where me and my co-host try to teach you some cool stuff in 20 minutes, things that we think are interesting on your way to work. So come hang out with us over there. And Haley Hobbs. I'm a co-host of Source Pages, where we read comics and novels as primers for the geeky TV shows and movies you love. So check us out everywhere you listen to podcasts. And soon, this week, check out Scotty and Matt and I on Binger's Assemble covering Mission Impossible. Yeah, first one drops in a couple days. Uh, Wait, you guys are doing a podcast without me? (laughs) (laughs) It broke our hearts, too. (laughs) It did, yeah. I didn't know about your deep love of Tom Cruise when we decided this two years ago <laughs> mm, that's true yeah we really did we decided whenever we did the last james bond but if you if you have one if you want to hop on a couple let us know uh, i'm, uh, I'm, you, li- I'm just to. kidding I'm, I'm really just kidding it's <laughs> yeah, i know i know but you know i will welcome. be a listener <laughs> yeah. all right guys we'll be back soon uh on multiverse news please uh follow us on whatever your podcatcher is give us some five star reviews we really need them uh to upper profile on all these different podcatchers and let people know that we're out here um it would be really really appreciated uh we love you very much peace you stay classy multiverse <laughs> <laughs>